Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Seeking Sister Wife, Season 4, Episode 8. I'm in love with your big brain. The episode starts with Brenda and Steve Foley. After last night's dinner with the kids, Brenda and Steve feel shell-shocked. They expected to have a nice dinner with the kids, they would break the news about dating a potential sister wife, and there would be some questions. It wouldn't be an easy conversation, but it would go okay. But it went differently, of course. Steve says it was exhausting. Brenda says it was like a roller coaster. Both Steve and Brenda are confused by where the conversation went and what happened. Steve says they are second-guessing what they said or didn't say, and they are trying to figure out a plan to go forward. Steve says last night's conversation makes him question if this is the right decision and if this is what's best for his family because the relationship he is pursuing is based on family and having a foundation to make his family stronger. Because Steve has a child opposed to the lifestyle, he thinks about it. Steve is going to let Jaden process and get to the point where she wants to discuss it further. But Jaden knows the door is open and when she is ready to talk, they will be ready to talk to her. Jaden doesn't agree with the lifestyle and I don't think it's a matter of talking. It's just not something she prefers or agrees with and she isn't going to just be okay with it one day. She probably will resent Steve big time for a long, long time. And if Jaden decides to be close with her dad or to have open communication, she probably will want that topic to be off limits and to not be exposed to his lifestyle. She will just want a relationship with her dad. Jaden has a right to feel how she feels, and I think she feels strongly. I think she knows her dad has fucked up priorities, and she doesn't appreciate how her dad did her mom and broke up the family with his philandering ways. And she knows the lifestyle is unfair to Brenda as well. And that Steve, her dad, just wants his cake. That he's selfish and that he doesn't make his kids his priority over getting his cake and his romantic relationships. I don't think, in my opinion, that Steve understands the extent of the damage in his relationship with Jaden. And I don't think he understands the deep resentment. And that this won't be resolved in time with conversation. This will resolve with Steve taking accountability, apologizing, and changing his ways. But Steve doesn't even realize the extent of this or his role in it, in my opinion. Steve wanted to go in and spend family time and make chicken soup, say to his kids, isn't this lovely family time? And then tell his kids and have them say, wow, Great, we love you, Daddy. I don't think Steve is prepared to get real and take accountability. And Jaden probably knows that. Preston feels bad for his dad because he thinks his dad is trying to do what is best for him. I think Preston just wants his dad's approval and attention from his dad, so he takes up for his dad. But deep down inside, is Preston totally good with this? Maybe... Preston says his dad has a hard time showing his emotions around other people, so he thinks it will be difficult for his dad and Jaden to talk, but he thinks his dad can do it. 
Brenda says the relationship is harder for Steve because it's his kids. She says Steve is trying to make sure everyone is okay, but also he wants to make sure he himself is happy. Brenda thinks her relationship with the kids is always a work in progress. She hopes one day things will be back to how they were, but it's taking time. Brenda and Steve drive home and Brenda tells Steve she doesn't know what to say. She doesn't want to continue an argument with a teenager because it will get them nowhere. Steve says Jaden needs to watch what she says because there are concerns and questions and then there is respect. Steve says if you say things that aren't true, it doesn't help the conversation because it distracts from what the issues are. Jaden, in my opinion, was very open and honest. What did she lie about? In my opinion, Steve just wants to dismiss Jaden and he wants to justify his behavior in moving forward with his lifestyle and with his behavior so he can have his cake. In my opinion, Steve seems to operate on ego. He seems almost angry at Jaden for having feelings and opinions that aren't in line with what he wants. Steve thinks they have their work cut out for them. He knew it would be difficult, but he doesn't know where they go from here. Next up are the Davis family. Danielle got to spend the night with Nick. They had a good night, and Danielle didn't get a lot of sleep. She didn't want to waste her night with Nick, but apparently Nick didn't get enough. Jennifer and April weren't comfortable in their bed, so Jen went out to get a snack, and April was on the couch, and Nick was up, so she and Nick had a midnight rendezvous in bed while April was on the couch during Danielle's night. Jen says if April was in the bed, that would be weird. April says if she was in the bed, that would have been too weird for her. She says the sounds don't bother her, but she draws the line at being in the bed during another couple's sexual escapades. How does Danielle feel about this midnight rendezvous? Does she know about the midnight sex Nick got from Jen on her night after they just had sex? Nick says it would be tough trying to satisfy his sex drive in a monogamous relationship. It's a lot of pressure to put on one person, he says. Polygamy is good for that because Nick can make sure he gets that taken care of. Everything about Nick's lifestyle is about pleasing him. His sex drive that is more voracious than any man He has his wives working as he sits at home, giving the excuse that he is far too advanced to work. This guy thinks he's God's gift to women, and he operates off of ego, expecting he is entitled to this. He, in my opinion, is using his lifestyle as a way to set up a life where he is catered to and he can sit on his ass, not working, focusing on his dick, getting kept by the women In his mind, he's a king, and this is his kingdom. And now he's grooming Danielle, who still has no clue who she is or what her life is about yet, to participate in the system. Nick climbs into bed with Jen and April, and they suggest Danielle squeeze in too. In the morning, Nick told Danielle he was intimate with her and also with Jennifer. And Danielle says, that's not usual. People don't normally have multiple partners. And she isn't used to it, but she is willing to adapt so there is comfort around her sexuality with Nick and the other women, and that all of their wants and needs are being met. 
April wants a wedge pillow and Nick tells her they're made for sex. And April says she wants it for elevation in her sleep, not for sex. And Nick lets April know that wedge pillow she wants is called a sex wedge. April says it's to watch TV at night in bed. The angle and the elevation is good for breathing, apparently. Nick says it's to arch your back to get it at the right angle. Nick asks if someone is making him food. Why can't he make the women breakfast? Why does he need to be served? They're the ones who work to pay for his house and all the bills. April says she will make breakfast. Nick says having all his wives together in one bed is a dream come true. It's something he has thought about, but he wasn't actually sure he'd be able to achieve it. But Nick is also trying to keep himself grounded in the event that things don't work out in the long term with Danielle. Nick is reading as his wives cook breakfast for him. He's reading about abiogenesis, and he calls it abiogenesis because he wants to sound very educated. Nick explains it's about life's arising spontaneously on its own through natural, undirected processes. He explains there is something called homochorality that comes into play. Nick wants to sound smart, so he just parrots what he reads. I doubt he actually understands it himself. The way he talks about it, you can tell he wants to sound and look smart. He has a thirst to sound intellectual, so he reads, and he mentions what he read straight from the book to try and seem advanced and intelligent and worth it, when he is really just a manipulator, in my opinion. April thinks Danielle did really well this weekend, but there is a possibility that Danielle isn't fully internalizing the magnitude of what they are asking of her. There are multiple people, there is the dynamic of possibly adding more, and April knows Danielle is extremely positive about it. Her only red flag for Danielle is that maybe she isn't fully thinking it through all the way yet. Jennifer says it's one thing to talk about something and another thing to live through it. Jen thinks it could be a potential red flag that maybe Danielle isn't verbalizing any current issues with anything. Jennifer is feeding Nick grapes in the kitchen and she calls Danielle over to feed Nick grapes too. The only person I would feed one by one is my kid or maybe my pet. As a grown woman, I wouldn't want to be fed even in jest and I wouldn't feed my man either. Next up are the Merrifields. They just woke up in the new house and they're doing a video call with Bert. Yesterday, they weren't able to reach Bert. So today they are excited to see Bert's face and to see what is going on with immigration and all the steps they need to take to get things moving forward. Danielle gets nervous when they do calls with Bert about if she will pick up or not or if they will have a good connection. Danielle calls and Bert initially doesn't answer. Garrick tries to call. They haven't been able to do video calls. They've done just a handful of video calls in the last year. Finally, they reach Bert. She is emailing immigration tomorrow. She is going to re-message immigration because she didn't hear anything yet. There is a language barrier with the Merrifields and Bert that makes things even more difficult. Garrick has to use his translator to speak to Bert. Danielle is confused by exactly what Roberta was saying. 
Roberta is sending them a copy of the email she received from immigration so they can get everything she needs to send to immigration tomorrow. Garrick was hoping to hear that immigration scheduled a date and time to get Bert's visa, but she still has to send over more information to prove her identity, and then immigration will send her back a time and date to pick up her passport and visa. Garrick tells Bert he is a little concerned because the lawyer has been reaching out to him and pressing him because he is concerned and he doesn't want them delaying anything or to have any problems with Roberta getting to the U.S. because of the pandemic. Eric doesn't think Roberta fully understands how serious it is to move forward as fast as possible on their end. Roberta's visa is fully approved. And now she has only one month to get on a plane and to get to the U.S. on her visa before it expires. Danielle tells Roberta she's excited for them to be together, and she wants to know the date when Roberta will be there. Danielle worries about why it's so hard for Bert to communicate sometimes. She wonders if Roberta knows how important it is for their family with immigration and moving forward. Garrick asks Danielle if they should talk to the lawyer, and Danielle thinks it would be nice to know from the lawyer's standpoint how the process works and Garrick agrees to call the lawyer. Back to the Davis family, they are packing up the car, and Nick asks who is driving, and Jen suggests she will drive because she doesn't want King Nick to have to drive, of course, and the king gets driven. He doesn't drive. It's beneath him. Nick would say this weekend was a success. His t-shirt says, I'm dead inside, and he has this huge round onyx pendant on, And he just gives me really bad vibes, completely bad vibes. Nick feels like he got a good glimpse into what it would be like for all of them together living in one house. Dropping Danielle off today will be bittersweet, he says. April asks Danielle what her favorite part of the weekend was. And Danielle says when they were making breakfast because she enjoys being able to listen to Nick and hearing what he has to say. April says that kind of conversation is what makes her want to be there so bad. April tells Nick, I'm in love with you, Nicholas. I'm in love with your big brain. Danielle feels good about the trip. Her main takeaway is understanding that this is something she is able to be comfortable with and relax into. Danielle says they discussed potentially bringing on another sister wife, but she's a bit hesitant because she loves how they all function and how they are, as is. So it can be hard to envision that they could meet someone else, would be able to slide right in and be able to go with the flow of how they all are. Danielle says, in a way, she gets protective because she loves this. She doesn't want anything to potentially interfere with that. But Nick and April and Jennifer obviously have great taste, she says, because they picked her. So, Danielle is willing to allow them to guide her and see where things go from here. Nick says it was fun. Everyone agrees it was a really good weekend. Jen feels it was good to spend more time with their potential sister wife, Danielle, and Danielle gives them a good feeling already. There have been potential sister wives that haven't worked out in the past, whether it's just not understanding their lifestyle 
or realizing it's just not a good fit for them. April can tell they have to take it slow with introducing Danielle to someone new. But April thinks, over time, Danielle will be okay. She has to get used to the idea first. April understands adding three people into her world is already a big deal. So to add four people is even harder. Next up are the Foley's. Steve and Brenda just got back from their trip to see the kids. Brenda wasn't happy with how they ended things with April at the last dinner. So Brenda invited April to have coffee with her to sort things out. At that last dinner, Brenda expressed she felt she was giving too much of herself and she was at the point where she doesn't want to anymore. April tells Brenda that she isn't sure what Steve and Brenda are expecting from her. Brenda told April she felt she doesn't mean anything to her. April has been dating Steve and Brenda for a few months now. April is nervous because after dinner, Brenda was upset about things that she was doing. So April feels there is a pressure to communicate better with Brenda. Brenda tells April she wants to talk after they had that deep conversation at the last dinner because she knows it was a lot in one night. Brenda says she felt that Steve had someone in April and Brenda doesn't feel that she has someone in April. So Brenda had it bottled up for a while. Brenda explains to April she knows that she and Steve communicate a lot more. So Brenda feels she is out of the loop and that she isn't really considered. April says when they're all together, everything flows nicely, but when they aren't all together, she tends to focus on Steve more than she focuses on Brenda. April feels bad knowing how much it bothers Brenda, knowing she doesn't do the same with her as often. April senses when they're all together because she does communicate with Steve more, there is an awkwardness because Steve is more caught up and then Brenda is oblivious sitting there not knowing what they are talking about because April has mentioned it to Steve but not to Brenda. Brenda says she feels jealous of Steve and April's relationship and how it has been progressing and how easy they move on and get better with their communication. Brenda wishes it could be that easy for herself and April. April mentions to Brenda that she had said she feels left out because she and Steve have a relationship that comes more naturally. So April wants to see how Brenda is feeling about that because Brenda said she might need to take a step back from things. Brenda tells April her relationship with Steve comes more naturally because she is used to that. She thinks there is chemistry for all of them when they are all together. And she thinks if they put effort in like they are doing right now at this coffee shop, it would help how she is feeling and how their relationship is, how the relationship is between Brenda and April. April thinks it's best to bring it up if they feel a certain type of way versus holding it all in. And Brenda thinks they should try to have a safe space to talk and say how they feel. April says she knows she has a communication problem and it was... Like that with Steve too in the beginning, but it got easier. With Brenda keeping up with her throughout the week whenever she isn't with her, it's much harder than if she were to see Brenda every day or more often. Brenda tells April what she is looking for in a sister wife is somebody she can depend on, somebody she can lean on, somebody she can go out with to chit chat and have fun. 
April's goal is a very strong friendship with Brenda, and she thinks eventually that will just go into a sister kind of relationship. The producer asks April if she ever sees herself loving Brenda. April says it's a different kind of love, but that's the goal for all of them, to care about each other that much. April thinks she and Brenda should go out more with just the two of them versus going out with all three of them. Brenda thinks they are at a better place moving forward, but she needs to see more from April, so she feels reassured that April is the person for them. I think Brenda wants to feel she is as important to April as Steve, but Steve and April have a romantic relationship, so Brenda will never be as important to April as Steve will be. April might be willing to have a closer friendship with Brenda, but I think Brenda expects April to be Steve's romantic partner and her sister loyal to her, attached at the hip. And when you are both married to the same man, I don't think it will happen to the extent Brenda wants it. It's a complicated dynamic and it's hard to feel like a sister to a woman married to your husband or boyfriend and there will be jealousy and insecurity and competition and comparison and envy and all of that at play underneath whatever friendship they have. Brenda is looking for a companion who will have her back and share Steve and a sisterhood. And April is willing to be closer to Brenda and more amicable with her, but I don't think what Brenda wants is a realistic expectation necessarily. And I don't think April really wants to be like Brenda's sister. I think she tolerates and accepts Brenda to have Steve, and she wants to be open and friendly with her, but I don't think there is that natural connection there between April and Brenda. April is just 21 years old. She seems fun and nice and like she's trying her best, but I don't think April understands who she is or how life is or what she really wants out of life. And I doubt she fully understands the dynamics of what she is getting into and the big picture of this or the future consequences of this and all it entails. Steve is this older guy who looks like a bro. He has a boat and money. He's fun. She is going with it for now. But I don't think April is really thinking this through or taking it too seriously. She will probably look back when she's a little older and think, why did I waste my 20s with these people? Next up are the Merrifields. Garrick and Danielle have dinner with Sam and Samantha. Sam is Danielle's brother and Samantha is his wife. They are curious about what's going on with Roberta and getting her to the U.S., Danielle wears a ring that she and Bert designed together. Danielle explains Sam and Samantha are very close to she and Garrick, and they are an important part of their life. Danielle and Garrick value their opinion because it comes from a place of love and care. They flash back to an earlier season scene of Samantha asking Danielle if they will have babies and then a wedding with Roberta, and Danielle lets her know that's the plan. Samantha tells Danielle it's going to be hard. She feels like it's too fast, and she has to wonder if Garrick is doing this out of lust. Samantha says in this flashback scene, sometimes she wonders if Danielle is truly happy, or if she's doing this because she wants to make her husband, Garrick, happy. Back to the dinner, Samantha expresses that she has doubts since she has never met Roberta. She tells Danielle and Garrick it's their life, She just doesn't want them to get hurt. 
Danielle explains they all have their different personalities and she thinks that's how it will be when Roberta gets here and it will be give and take. Danielle says even when she spoke with Roberta about the sister wife thing and adding a third, they discussed why Danielle wanted it and why Roberta didn't want it. Samantha asks if Roberta wants a third wife now and Garrick responds, um, there's silence and Danielle says, Roberta gets her point of view better now. And now Roberta's attitude is, if God wants it and she is open to a third more now because she realizes why Danielle wanted it in the first place. Danielle says when she's with Garrick and it's not her turn, then she is not alone if they have a third wife. So they will always have someone there to support them. That's not a good reason to bring another human being into this situation. To endure this, just so when Garrick is with either of them, they have this other sister wife to not feel so alone. It seems selfish and unreasonable to drag another woman into this just to comfort them when it's not their night. Samantha just says geez when Danielle responds with that. She and her husband seem to know that this is utter bullshit. Sam asks if Roberta has talked about getting a plane ticket at all, or if Roberta has said when she plans on coming to the U.S. Garrick says Roberta wants to get her mom to her diabetes appointment and to her blood pressure appointment before she leaves. Garrick says Roberta is praying and hoping that before she leaves, God will help her accomplish that. Garrick is still feeling confident that Roberta is going to do all she has promised to the family and to him. Garrick is very confident Roberta is coming. This guy, the way he speaks, his cadence and tone, he has no conviction when he speaks. He is quiet as a mouse like the light bulb is on and nobody is home. I wonder if Garrick pretends to be soft-spoken and I wonder what this guy is like behind closed doors. He's obviously selfish and has an ego, in my opinion, and he's using God to justify his lifestyle, to please his dick and assuage his midlife crisis. In my opinion, his priority shouldn't be cake or having babies. It should be his wife and the family he does have. But Garrick's ego wants more, and Danielle probably knows he will cheat or leave if she doesn't allow this bullshit to go on. I don't think Danielle wants any of this at all. I think she wants to keep her family intact and she loves Garrick, but she would be happy if Garrick said, it's done, Roberta isn't coming, I love you, I love my kids, I'm sorry, let's just appreciate what we have, let's have gratitude for what we have. Garrick's eyes are weird. He's pale, he has a very weird whispery voice. And a viewer of mine, Diana, who I appreciate a lot because I learn a lot from her and she has the most insightful comments, Diana was telling me the way Garrick speaks reminds her of Jim Jones and the shades he wears also reminded her of it. And I've watched a million Jonestown documentaries, but I listened to Jim speak and I listened to a clip of Garrick speak and I looked at their shades and how they carry themselves and there is something to that for sure. In certain speeches, the way Jim speaks is just like Garrick with the same soft tone and the same cadence, and they have similar sunglasses too. It's very creepy. Jim used God as his justification too, and everybody knows how that ended. Everybody knows about Jonestown, I'm sure. 
Garrick pretends, in my opinion, to be soft-spoken and godly. But notice with Leah, it seemed, Danielle and Garrick's main concern was that she was too career-oriented. They wanted someone to be home doing house chores, as Garrick provides. To me, it feels like Garrick wants to pick people he can control, and he wants people dependent solely on him financially or people from other countries who would be dependent on him and vulnerable and in a position to be submissive and dependent on him alone. In my opinion, Garrick isn't just some harmless idiot. I don't think he's Jim Jones level scary, but he wants his wives to be just in the home. I don't think he likes strong, independent women or women with ambition. It was also interesting. He suggested Leah would have to do chores and cook, and it was a major issue that she had a career and couldn't just be home dependent on him. Yet with Bert, Danielle said that she would need a baby or something to focus her attention on. She never said Bert would have to do housework. Maybe Bert is the baby maker wife and the third wife will be the Cinderella wife doing all the housework. I really don't know what the deal is. I like Danielle and I think she is selling herself short by accepting all of this bullshit. I'm glad her parents are around to support her if Garrick's ego gets too big for his britches. Samantha says, Roberta is so close to her mom, so she wonders, is Roberta going to be able to leave her mom to come to the U.S.? Garrick says it's hard. Samantha says she has doubts it's a different world in the U.S., so Samantha wonders if Roberta is really committed to coming to the U.S. Samantha hopes Roberta isn't using Garrick and Danielle to come to the U.S. just for the green card. Samantha tells Garrick and Danielle she gets concerns about if Roberta really wants to come to the U.S. and she worries about if Roberta really loves Garrick and Danielle. Samantha hopes for the best, but she doesn't want Garrick and Danielle getting hurt. Danielle has always feared the unknown with anything she does in life. She says you worry if it will work out and you have doubts as humans. Garrick says he thinks it's a lot different in person and he is excited for Sam and Samantha to finally meet Roberta. Garrick mentions it would be wonderful for all of them if they have a baby right away. Garrick is so dumb. He is sitting at a dinner with his brother-in-law and his brother-in-law's wife, Danielle's brother and his wife. They have concerns that Roberta still hasn't made it to the U.S. She hasn't even lived with Garrick and Danielle yet to see the dynamic and how it works. Everyone has concerns and Garrick wants to reassure them by suggesting it would be great to have a baby right away, immediately, before Garrick, Danielle, and Roberta even figure out their dynamic and how they all function together under one roof. If that doesn't raise more concerns, what would? Garrick only seems to care about the fantasy in his head and what he wants. He doesn't think things through, and I don't feel like he thinks before he speaks, or he wouldn't have said that about having a baby immediately. Sam tells Garrick, oh, geez, a baby right away. Wow. Sam tells Garrick, he's all about that baby making. Sam asks, who is going to take care of all of these babies? Sam says he really loves Garrick and he really loves his sister, Danielle. But he hopes Garrick takes care of all of them and that he doesn't just forget about Danielle. 
because it can be hard just being there for one person and one family, let alone having multiple families and having them come together. Samantha points out that Garrick could get distracted and it could be overwhelming. I'm surprised by how diplomatic Sam and Samantha were able to be. If it was my sibling and I knew their husband made them get a legal divorce and that he was using God to justify this and bringing over a woman to the U.S. who can't speak English, who hasn't even adjusted to the dynamic yet, expecting she will have a baby immediately, I'd have a very hard time even sitting at the dinner with them. I like being as diplomatic as possible, but if I love someone and I feel protective and I can see this rips them apart and it doesn't benefit them, I couldn't just sit there. I couldn't do it. I'd either have to express how I feel completely like Jaden did or just distance myself. It would be very hard for me to pretend that this is okay. And I'd try to be very supportive, but if I see with my own eyes what's going on, I really don't think I could be around it and ask just a few pointed questions with diplomacy and leave it be knowing how my sister will struggle and how insensitive and selfish the husband is and how messed up his priorities are. Danielle tells Sam and Samantha it's been so long since they met Roberta. It's been three years. And Danielle wonders, is this actually finally happening? Is Roberta actually going to be here? Danielle says, Part of her doesn't want to get too excited. Danielle really wants to have that security of the plane ticket booked and she wants to know that Roberta is coming and that they are all on the same page. But she's really nervous that she might have a hard time committing to coming to the U.S. and booking that plane ticket. Garrick definitely doesn't think Roberta is scamming them or doing anything like that. Garrick says, Roberta is the type of person where if she has a dollar and she sees a homeless person on the street corner, she will go over and give them her last dollar. Garrick says it's just not Roberta's character to swindle them. Garrick doesn't even really know Roberta. He has to use the translator to talk to her. He doesn't know her character deeply until she spends a lot of time with them. Danielle tells Sam and Samantha, Roberta will be here soon, and they tell her they hope so, and they say they'll see. Next up are the Epps family. Marcus is ironing his shirt. He's getting ready for his date at 7. Marcus is super nervous. He has a date with Janae. He flew her in from Atlanta. Janae and Marcus met years ago, right before he met India. Marcus has always reached out to Janae over the years to try and reconnect with her, and she finally said yes about coming to see Marcus. And Marcus is excited about the date, but nervous as well because he hasn't told Janae about his family or his lifestyle. He's very nervous about how Janae will react to that. Marcus got the Airbnb as opposed to a hotel because he's excited to spend some one-on-one time with Janae. Marcus plans on cooking for Janae. He's a good cook. He hopes that helps to smooth over the news about his polygamous lifestyle. Marcus asks Taryn if she is still sure that she is absolutely comfortable with the Janae thing. Taryn says, yeah, she's excited and she wants to see how it will go. She's excited because Marcus is very excited about Janae. Janae met Marcus five or six years ago when she was a bartender. She met Marcus working. They had a cool relationship. They talked all the time. They were good friends. And then she and Marcus lost contact when she left the area. 
Janae is excited to see Marcus, but she is nervous because it's been so long, so it's kind of like a high school giddy feeling she gets because she likes Marcus. Marcus is very late, and Janae lets him into the Airbnb, and she lets him know it took him long enough. Marcus apologizes. He was supposed to be there at 7. He apologizes. He says so many things came up in his life. Listen, if I fly out to see someone and they are more than 15 minutes late to meet me, I'd already be done because obviously that person doesn't have the right planning skills to be on time and they don't respect my time enough to be on time or the effort I put to fly there enough to be on time. Janae was on time. She made her flight. She was dressed and ready at 7, but Marcus couldn't be on time to this date that was local to him. He has the busiest shirt on I have ever seen, and it makes Marcus look even shorter and wider. He's already an extremely short man, and he has short legs and a long torso, and that shirt makes his legs look even shorter and his torso even longer. That shirt does him absolutely no favors. Janae is super hungry because Marcus told her not to eat too much. He went and got fresh salmon and broccoli. Janae says the real question is, can Marcus cook? And Marcus says he can. Marcus admits he's probably naive to think this meal will just smooth everything over when he drops the bomb that he's a polygamist on Janae. But Marcus is definitely hoping that some good seafood and cooking with a lot of butter, so there's a lot of flavor, helps butter Janae up. He thinks some butter on some salmon is enough to allow Janae to accept less than she deserves for herself with sharing her potential husband with two other women. This guy is arrogant and nuts if he thinks he's worth it. Marcus asks Janae if she is single. She says yes and no, it's complicated. Marcus asks Janae if he should be concerned. And Janae says it's nothing for him to be concerned about. Marcus says he gets it. Somebody else might need to be concerned about him, but he doesn't need to be concerned by the other person. He is so gross. He thinks he's being smooth and sexy. And he reminds me of a pesky rodent running around a kitchen. I paused in a moment where he is looking at Janae and he thinks he's being attractive and sexy and he's licking his lips and he has his tongue sticking out of his mouth. He is so gross. Janae asks what Marcus has going on. She calls him Mr. Ladies Man and says, there is always something. Marcus says he has to check on the potatoes again and Janae tells Marcus it's a good deflection. Marcus explains he wanted to have this organic time with Janae and have this conversation with her at the end of the date, after she has already had what he hopes to be an amazing time with him. Well, wait a second. Does Marcus want things organic or is organic code for Marcus wanting things the way that is most advantageous for him and what he wants? Janae organically asks Marcus, what he has going on, and Marcus doesn't seem to want to organically answer the question in the moment. When he claims to India he wants sex to be organic and the date to end organically with no curfew, he wants everything organic for him when it suits his needs. But Janae asks a question organically and he doesn't want to organically answer in the moment. He prefers to answer at the end of the date after she has enjoyed the date with him because he expects she will be more likely to accept the news that way. 
is that organic or is that postponing the organic response in the moment for later because he wants it that way? Things should only be organic, apparently, if it suits Marcus. I guess otherwise, he's okay to maneuver things inorganically if it suits him better. Marcus decides to rip the Band-Aid and hope for the best. Marcus tells Janae at the time when they were talking and Taryn were on the outs after a long-term relationship. Taryn had moved out and Marcus was doing his thing and he was ready to move Janae in right away. And Taryn came back home. Janae says awkward and she looks down as Marcus continues on. Marcus says during that same time though, he met India and he is now married to both Taryn and India. Janae is laughing, shaking her head no, closing her eyes. She asks, what? What in the hell does that even mean? And Marcus explains, they are a polygamist family. Janae turns her head away like fuck no, rolling her eyes. As Marcus explains, they're in the process right now of adding a third wife to the family. He tells Janae that's why he flew her out here to talk to her. Janae pauses and sighs. She's speechless. She is not happy. Janae explains in confessional she isn't upset at Marcus for telling her this way. Then she stops herself and she admits she is upset. She felt like Marcus was setting it up like, let me woo her and then spring this on her and it will soften the blow a little bit, as opposed to being a real man that Marcus claims to be, telling her what it is from the jump. Marcus asks Janae what she is thinking. She is silent, looking down, and Marcus asks her to talk to him. Janae excuses herself to the bathroom, and Marcus says, oh, shit. He says, that didn't, oh, well, when he dropped the polygamous bomb on Janae. Marcus says it took him for a loop, and he wanted a drink right away. It's threw him for a loop, not took him for a loop, but okay. Instead of drinking to numb it, why doesn't Marcus evaluate himself as a man and look inward to ask himself why he is such a manipulative chicken shit who thought he could manipulate this poor woman with a bullshit dinner to try and get her to accept less than she deserves. Janae is in the bathroom. She says she doesn't know how she is feeling. She's confused. She doesn't know. She's thrown off. She didn't need to fly all the way to Orlando to be told this. Janae says it feels almost like a joke. She says this is crazy. I personally would have asked Marcus to leave and I wouldn't appreciate him having the arrogance to fly me out and cook me dinner to try and manipulate me with bullshit before dropping the bomb. It's a waste of time in my life. I wouldn't appreciate that and I wouldn't like the fact that Marcus felt he could fly me out and cook a dinner to try and manipulate me into accepting it. The fact that he wasn't upfront from the jump would show me all I need to know about this man's character and it would show me his level of ego and arrogance and manipulation. And I would leave or ask him to leave my Airbnb immediately and I would fly home grateful to not have wasted more time on this fool. I wouldn't be able to even sit through the dinner at all. Janae returns from the bathroom and Marcus asks Janae to talk to him and tell him what she is thinking. Janae tells Marcus he could have told her about this before and Marcus tells her if he's being all the way honest, he felt like if they had this conversation on the phone, Janae might not be here. In confessional, Janae says if Marcus told her he was a polygamist over the phone, she would not have come. 
Janae says it's not fair to her and it's a waste of her time. She has plenty of other things she could be doing rather than to fly all the way here for Marcus to tell her that. Janae says her first question is, is this a joke? Marcus says it's not a joke. Marcus feels like with a lot of people, the first time they hear he's a polygamist, they say absolutely not. But there are a lot of great things about his lifestyle and family dynamic. Janae asks, like what? Marcus says there are multiple streams of income. There's a serious foundation for family. The kids want for nothing and there is always a parent there. And Janae says she doesn't willingly share her man. And Marcus says she does share. She doesn't willingly share. Well, I say to that, not all men cheat. You, a lot of good men don't cheat. Janae tells Marcus he's telling her he wants her to sign up to share. And Marcus tells Janae she's a smart, educated woman and he's going to ask her to think outside of the box. He's such a manipulator. He's giving Janae a backhanded compliment, saying basically, if you are so smart and educated enough, you will have the capacity to think outside of the box and accept this. A less intelligent woman wouldn't be able to accept this. I don't like this guy at all. I think him and Nick need to get together to sell used cars, and Garrick can be there as a sales associate. Marcus doesn't think he's winning the argument with Janae. Marcus says he's smart enough to know that at this point, Janae is still sitting here, so he hasn't completely lost the argument yet, but he isn't winning by any means. Janae asks Marcus, had she not asked what his plan was, break the news to her. Marcus says his plan was to tell her tonight he would have told her once they were almost done eating. Janae asks, what's wrong with the wholesome solid? And Marcus asks, monogamy? Monogamy is wholesome, he asks. Marcus says he's happy and India and Taryn are happy. And Janae asks, if they are so happy, why is she here? And Marcus tells her because he thinks she will make him more happy. Marcus tells Janae he has always felt like she has a brilliant mind and the ability to accomplish and do anything. If she only had somebody to really partner with her, a real life partner for real that's on the ground like she is. Marcus asks Janae, what could we accomplish together? Janae says she is feeling irritated. She says this should have just been a conversation prior to her flying to Orlando. Janae thinks Marcus's lifestyle is crazy. She says there's something about the sharing of a man that's weird to her. Janae tells Marcus she is sure he has to get back home to his wives. Marcus asks Janae if she knows what his wives would tell him to do right now. And Janae says, shit, they'd probably say stay. Janae, I hope, will ask Marcus to leave. I would have asked him to leave as soon as I found out in his arrogance. He thought he could woo and manipulate me to waste my time and drop a bomb when he could have told me on the damn phone and instead he chose to try and waste my time from the one life I have for himself to try and get more of a shot of getting me and what he wanted by trying to manipulate and woo me first and I'd have no respect for Marcus as a man. I'd see straight to his ego and arrogance and manipulative character he was willing to inconvenience Janae and waste her time to give himself more of a possibility of getting what he wants out of her. 
It was to his advantage in his view to inconvenience her. He isn't putting Janae first. He's putting himself first. And no one with any sense wants a man like that. Next time on Seeking Sister Wife, Nick is talking to April and Jennifer. He says there have been women in the past who wanted to be with them but couldn't because of how they function. Jennifer tells Nick Danielle could be wanting to do this. Nick says they will see if Danielle is actually able and capable. Sidian and Ariel are at a fire on the beach and Tasha is on FaceTime with Sidian. She asks where Sidian is and he explains he is by a campfire. Ariel says hi to Tasha and Tasha wants to know if Sidian and Ariel have been intimate yet. Marcus is talking to Janae. He tells her maybe this could go somewhere. Marcus says he immediately wants to pitch to Janae the idea of getting together with Taryn and India because he thinks maybe they can sell it better than he can. Janae explains she just likes it being herself and Marcus. Marcus tells her it's pretty dope for real. He tells Janae he has sex with both Taryn and India on most days. Janae's eyes pop out of her head at that as she takes a huge swig of her drink. Janae doesn't think she would ever be okay with it. She says there is always a hidden agenda with Marcus. Danielle tells her brother, Sam, she is kind of nervous about going to Brazil. Danielle tells Sam Garrick brought up trying for babies again. Sam asks Danielle if Garrick is going to try to have a baby with Roberta when it doesn't even seem like Roberta is fully committed. Garrick says the worst case scenario is Bert not coming to the U.S. Garrick asks if that's the case and Roberta stays in Brazil, are they not still a family? Danielle asks Garrick if he would be okay with Roberta staying in Brazil and having babies there with Garrick. And Garrick says it wouldn't be easy. He seems to be okay with it. Danielle looks astounded. I think she thought if Roberta refused to relocate to the U.S., Garrick would end it. But Garrick seems willing to have Danielle in the States and Roberta back in Brazil having his kids. Danielle says it was hard for her to hold it together when Garrick said that he would be willing to have kids with Roberta in Brazil. In her heart, she felt, what? Wow, wow, wow. I'll have a lot to say about that next week. With TLC Shady Edits, it's hard to know if next week it will be the way they made it seem in this promo. So we will see. To my YouTube viewers, please like and subscribe if you like the content. And let me know your thoughts in the comments section. I'll be back this week for the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 2, Teen Sex Talk, and I'll either do the next episode of Book Club on Chapter 7 on Christine, or I might start covering the first half of Season 16 instead, just in time for the new season, which will be out on 9-11. And of course, once the new season hits, I will definitely cover the new episodes each week along with Book Club and Seeking Sister Wife. If you guys have a preference for me continuing with Season 3 or re-watching the beginning of Season 16 before the new season starts, the first half of Season 16, which I haven't covered yet in time for the new season, let me know in the comments section, please, what your preference is. When the new season ends, of course, I will resume wherever we left off. I'm totally committed to the rewatch. It's eye-opening. 
I'll see you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.